0: What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'm tell Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Had a jam-packed, busy show, all football-related as far as the NFL playoffs are concerned. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody! Uh, just want to get them on board. Uh, first off, first show of the new year, uh, and of the new decade. Uh, here's the 2020 and beyond for your, for your, all, all to you uh, loyal listeners of the program of your favorite little sports talk uh, podcast. So, let's jump right into business. First we'll do the AFC playoffs. First, take a break, recap the NFC uh wild card games. Um then do us 10 take a break and touch on three major deaths in the sports world that occurred in between, uh the last time we chatted on New Year's Eve, and I'll give you my thoughts on Jason Garrett being kicked out as Dallas Cowboy head coach. But uh, first things first. Let's get to the. Whew, what a what a wild card weekend it was. Oh my goodness gracious. Let's first start out with the first game between the Bills and the Texans. Uh, what a first of all what a football game that was. Uh, and I'll and I'll break it down here for you. Uh, in a minute. But boy, what a what a football game that was. Between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. Houston Texans uh, winning their division for the third year. Winning their division for the... uh, No, not their... <coughs> excuse me. Not the third... <coughs> not the third year in a row. Second year in a row. Because Jacksonville won their division in 2017. The year they made it to the AFC uh, Championship game. But the Houston Texans came back after being down, I believe it was a 16-point deficit, and they came all the way back to beat Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who who for them was their second playoff appearance in three years, first time since 2017, and they made it in thanks to Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd on the 4th and 12th to knock the Ravens out uh, in 2017. But the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. Oh my goodness gracious. Deshaun Watson, what a performance. Twenty twenty for twenty-five, two three for two forty seven and a touchdown pass. Really did not give up hope throughout the entire ball game. Kept his team in it. Had had hunger, had guts, had had uh the hood spell, whatever word you want to use, but boy did he do a phenomenal job, uh Sparking that comeback for the for the Houston team that was dead the rights after one half of football and was really like sort of shocked. I mean, had all I mean they had when Josh Allen came out the gate on the first drive of the ball game catching a touchdown pass. The Houston Texans were just flat through. I mean, for the rest of the quarter and throughout the rest of the half, they didn't know what the heck was going on. But give it to the Sean Watson who never said die and. And uh, hung it and hung in there uh, throughout the very end, and it's the same guy who led that comeback uh, when he was uh, with Clemson against Alabama in a championship game uh, a few years back. Uh, I mean, Deshaun Watson is just one is just one special is one one special player. I mean, he. He reminds me a lot, uh, like he's Lamar Jackson, but he, th- but he's a, but he's a little bit more of a pocket passer than, uh, than Lamar, than Lamar Jackson is. Just not, not much, but he's a, he's a little bit more of a pocket passer than, uh, than, uh, Lamar Jackson is. And when, and when does, and when you force uh, Deshaun Watson to throw the football, he's gonna make you pay. I mean, what I mean, he just did an absolutely phenomenal job for uh, for the Houston Texans on Saturday night, and and he, I mean, here's all you he need to know: he had a game-winning touchdown pass with literally a second left to Hunter Renfro, to hunt who to, who caught the uh, game-winning touchdown pass in the 2017 championship game against Alabama. A few years back, and in that game, he was he was superb. back in his Clemson days, he was thirty six for fifty six, four hundred and twenty passing yards, and three touchdowns. So I mean, he's a he's a little bit more for pocket passing than Lamar is. But boy, is Deshaun Watson a special player and a special talent. He, he played on my team any day of the week. Like I tell you that. You know he he he's got heart and he's got he's got heart and he's got hunger. And when you're up here playing in January, playing in playoff football, gotta go against the big bad teams in the AFC and the Chiefs and the Ravens and like that, and 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 a Buffalo Bills team that they could have easily lost to. I mean, they were down what sixteen nothing at halftime. I mean. What a, what a job by Deshaun Watson! What an absolutely superb job by him and the Houston Texans coming back to to win that football game. On the other hand, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, how big of a choke job can you? Can, I mean, really? I mean, goodness. Gra- I mean, can somebody tell Josh Allen to uh, take it easy a little bit when it comes to running the football? I mean, I mean, I know the guy thinks he's practically Steve Young out there, you know. White, look at me! I'm, you know, no one thinks that a white boy like me, you know, can has has the jukes and has the moves and can uh, and can look athletic running the football as a quarterback. But I mean, can somebody tell Josh Allen to calm it down a little bit? With uh, as far as tucking and running is concerned, I mean, he had nine carries for ninety two yards, and yeah, nine carries for ninety two yards, and he had a huge fumble that occurred late that occurred late in the ball game that really you could i mean it, it that really really helped the texans come back i mean he i mean he you just cannot under any circumstances just turn over the football i mean and he's had now don't get me wrong he's got he like watson has impeccable heart the both of them the both of them have have the heart of a champion but allen if he wants to make it and if he wants to make it back into the playoffs next year he has got to got to got to use better judgment when he's throwing the football because you cannot be that freelanced and that and that careless when it comes to your ball security and, run, and running the football because because you, you just you're going you're going to turn it over every single time lamar jackson learned that last year in the uh, wild card game uh, uh, against the Charges last year, when he, where he, you know, where the football was practically a wet bar of soap, and he couldn't hold on to it to save his life, but, but I mean, hey, <coughs> excuse me, you live and you learn. But Allen, I mean, he he's got don't I mean he's part of I mean, and that's not a really big uh, that's not a big time dynamic offense to begin with. But Allen, who jeez you know, <coughs> me, Christmas, who is a nice talent. He can, you know, he can throw the football when he has to. He's, bit you know, he's got, a, he's got, he's got a laser on him. He's, you know, sh- tries to show off his Brett Favre. as, you know, trying to throw the ball in tight spaces and things like that. But if you want to make it in this league as a quote unquote mobile quarterback, you gotta protect. You gotta. You got to protect the football. He was twenty four for forty six, two hundred sixty four passing yards, and he fumbled twice and he lost one. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't expect to make it as a mobile quarterback in this league without 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 uh, without protecting the football. I mean that that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, and and the defense did a did a horrendous job trying to you know practically letting Houston come back in the game. And that was a poor job on the referee. Uh, back in the at the start of the third quarter, when uh when the Texans return guy, you know, gave up the play in the end zone, and the referee, I'll see if I can get his name in a minute, didn't didn't have a freaking clue about what was going on, and you know, because typically and players did it all the time, they you know they give they give the they give the play up. They give the ball to the referee and, you know, blow the whistle, touch back, move on, start at the 25. But this, but the referee, and I'm get, trying to get his name here in the next 45 seconds, didn't have, you know, took, dodged dodged out of the way for the foot, dodged out of the, you know, he tossed the football to him and he straight up dodged it, making it a quote unquote live ball and the Bills uh, fell on it in the end zone and it went for a touchdown for uh, for um, the Bills. Tony Corrente was the referee. That is a terrible job by him. And as John Perry said on the broadcast, I mean a little bit of common sense. I mean, since when, since when in football has that a ever happened and b been known as a live ball and that the team can pounce on it for a touchdown? Current Corrente's got to got to get his head out of at, he has got to get his head from between his legs. Wake up and pay attention to the ball game. I mean that was a terrible job, by Corrente. Didn't didn't have a freaking clue what the what the hell was going on, and he and if you know, if it wasn't for him working with a bunch of competent, commonsensical uh officials on the field, that could have been uh very costly for the Texans who are already in a rut to begin the second half to begin with. But I mean, the Bills' defense totally spit all over themselves. allowing well, i Deshaun Watson to essentially crawl his way out of the grave, back from the dead, and lead the <coughs> excuse me and lead the Texans uh, from behind in the game. I mean, think I mean think about this for a second. The Texans the Texans scored Texans scored 22 points all in the second half. 22. Twenty two they outscored the they outscored the Bills in the second half, twenty-two to six. That is a horrendous, horrendous. and I and I'm not gonna give any offense. Again, one more time. The offense isn't, you know, this isn't Jim Kelly's offense with with Thurman Thomas, Steve Tasker, uh Andre Andre Reed and with Jim Kelly a quarterback running the no huddle offense. With uh with um Marv Levy on the sidelines calling the shots. Just, uh, this isn't the this isn't the early nineteen ninety Bills, okay? So let's let's not let's take it easy on killing the Bills' offense because the offense wasn't dynamic to begin with. What all I ever heard about, and the main reason why they got to the to the postseason was because of the defense and the defense in the second half completely and totally vomited all over themselves, allowing Houston to basically come back come back from the dead. And score and out and outscore the and outscore the Bills twenty-two to six in the second half to win the ball game. I mean that 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 is a joke. I mean, but hey, with Buffalo, you live and you learn. Second game of the AFC playoffs, and it is a game that I'm pretty sure all you people out there in podcast land that are. That are not New England Patriot fans were rejoicing to the to the heavens last night when finally, 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 the New England Patriots will not repeat. Will not for the first time since 2015. Okay? 2015 I was I was thirteen I was thirteen, fourteen years old. In eight, I was in the eighth grade. This is how long it's just how long it's been. For the first time since 2015, the New England Patriots will not compete in the Super Bowl. And of course, the AFC team that competed in that year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 was the Denver Broncos that of course um beat the Patriots in a championship game two weeks prior. But this is the first time in nine years. Nine years now that the Patriots won't compete in an AFC Championship game since 2010 who competed in the AFC Championship game 2010 it was the Jets who beat the Patriots in Foxborough and um in uh, the divisional round the week prior to that game in the Pittsburgh Steers. that was the last time prior to this season that the AFC Championship game did not consist of the New England Patriots It was the 2010 AFC Championship game between the Jets and the Steelers. And also, ironically, and I guarantee you didn't know this, 10 years ago, the last time the Patriots played on Wild Card Weekend, they played the Ravens, and Ray Rice, if if all you Baltimoreans can recall that name, ran the Pets out of the building with a 159-yard two-touchdown performance in the game and beat the Patriots... Thirty three to thirteen, if I remember correctly. 33, 33 to thirteen, thirty three to fourteen. Whatever the score was, they blew him out by twenty points. And this year, in this wild card game, ten years later, it's not Ray Rice. No, no, it's one of the best backs, if not, hell, he's he's the rushing champion for the two thousand nineteen season. Derrick Henry with a hundred and eighty two rushing yards and a touchdown. Boy, what a boy. I mean, he's single-handed. The defense... The Titans defense and... Derrick Henry. That's that's all there is to it. Derrick Henry. And my father was like, well, the Patriots are up 13-7. to 7. I said, Dad, the scoreboard is irrelevant. What is that? Well, you can't say the scoreboard's irrelevant and you can't get your... Fan. I'm like, Dad, Dad, Dad. Listen, I know the Patriots are winning, but... They're not going to be winning for long if they can't stop number thirty three or number <coughs> twenty two. Excuse me. So I don't care. <coughs> I don't care. You know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I could care less what. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I could care less what 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 the uh, what the score was. The fact that he single-handedly, 182... I mean, if he would have gotten the ball a couple more times, it would have rushed for 200 yards on the Patriots. 200 yards. 200 yards. So, you know, my dad was like, well, look at the score. You know, Patriots up 13. I'm like, Dad, if the Patriots can't stop Derrick Henry... Okay, Derek, one guy, one guy was, with all due respect to Tannehill, but one guy was the entire offense, one guy, and it couldn't stop him. They knew They knew what they were, Belichick and the Pats knew what they were doing. They knew that they were going to feed Derrick Henry the ball and that he was going to have to have a game if they wanted a shot at beating New England. Everyone in the whole world knew the game plan. And the fact that the Patriots still couldn't stop it with the greatest coach in the history of the sport, who's a defensive guy sitting there on the sidelines, please, like the, I, I I didn't care if it was thirteen to three. What I cared about is if is, is the Patriots defense stuffing the line and making sure Derrick Henry doesn't bur- doesn't burst for thirteen yard runs at a time. That's what I do care about. Because they they he he ran them out of the building all night. Derrick Henry destroyed them, destroyed them. So unless they unless they would have unless they were stopping twenty two, which they weren't, Patriots weren't going to win that game. Especially with how def- depleted and how poorly and just how poorly the Patriots uh offense was in the game. I mean, holy goodness gracious, Tom Brady. I mean, can this is and this is also just a life lesson in general, teaching you the story, teaching you the uh the um the uh, pits and the falls of uh arrogance. Tom Brady's arrogance. It's going to be the downfall of his career. I know some. I know a lot of Patriot fans don't want to hear it. I know. They say, well, Jai, you're wrong. Jai, you're this. Jai, you that. I don't want to hear this. And I know Patriot fans don't want to hear it. And you Tom Brady lovers out there don't want to hear it. But it's the truth. Tom Brady's arrogance is what's going to be his downfall. And you're starting to see and you're starting to see the avalanche and the snowball slowly build up. Slowly build up. Peyton Manning, I give him credit. He knew when it, he knew it was time for him to walk away. Give him all the credit in the world. Had the next surgeries, he was in and out of the season, their 2015 championship season. He said, "You know what? I'm not going to I didn't play all that great this my to, my last season to begin with. I want to go out on top as a champion. I want fans to remember me as the player I was, not the player I could end up becoming if I prolonged my career. And Tom Brady had enough wherewithal and enough common sense and enough humility and class to say enough's enough. Tom Tom Brady has not done that. And that's going to be the downfall of his career. And that's what's going to... And the end of his career could look very, 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 very ugly. If he doesn't stop, look, pay attention, and think. Because I understand that he doesn't have... The, you know, he doesn't have... His best buddy Gronk to throw to, and Amendola, and... And uh and uh Westwall I understand all that. But let's be fair. Tom Brady is getting towards the inevitable end. Cause he may be the goat, but it's the rule and it's the law of life and it's the law of nature. N- not only do all good things must come to an end. But also, Father Time is undefeated. It doesn't matter if you're Tom, if It doesn't matter if you're a forty-two-year-old playing quarterback in the NFL, or if you're a forty-two-year-old playing Major League Baseball, or a forty-two-year-old who's a, I don't know, who's a construction worker. Eventually, old age will creep up to you. Cause there's only so much of those hits and those reps of you constantly throwing the football and and going through all that vigorous training and working out. It's only a matter of time till that body will start to wear down. Because Tom Brady is not invincible. I know, I know it's a, I know it's a, it's it's a bit of a shock to you Patriot fans and Brady lovers out there, but Tom Brady is not invincible. He's a mortal being, just like everybody else. And Everybody else, man, woman, no matter what race, what nationality, what, whatever religion you practice, whatever the case might be. It's it, it's it goes true. It, it it's for everybody. Aging does not discriminate. Then matter if you're black, white, Latino, Asian. You know, gay, straight, by what it doesn't discriminate. Every human being on this earth ages, and you can't. And it's just the law of nature that every living thing, humans, animals, plants included, must go through. We wish we could stop aging. And we wish that we could stay young and be young and be on top of the world as far as our physical attributes and ability is concerned. But the fact of the matter is, we can't. And there's no way to stop it. So I found Brady. I step back. Took a long look at myself and say, because he's not going to go out on a pick six in a playoff game losing at home. He's not going to do that. I mean, let, let's be fair and call like we see it. But if I'm Brady, I think, I ponder, and maybe a week after, the, you know, sometime in March or whatever, set up a press conference and say the 2020 season will be my last season as a quarterback in the National Football League. Because he played like a man who was or excuse me, who is finished as a quarterback in the National Football League? That's just the, that's just the fact and the matter of it. Twenty for 30, twenty or thirty-seven for two hundred and nine passing yards and a pick-six thrown is not goat-like stats. And if I'm Brady, I bite the bullet, swallow my pride. My step away after the 2020 season. And for the Tennessee Titans, what a job they did. That defense and Derrick Henry. Who one-handedly beat that Patriot defense. The, de- the I mean... They knew everybody knew that Tannehill wasn't gonna wasn't gonna take any chances, nor Vrabel was gonna put ten. <coughs> Excuse me, was gonna put Tannehill in a situation for him to beat him on his own, and he didn't have to. Just give the ball to twenty two about thirty plus times, and and he'll get it and he'll get the job done by himself. So props to him. And props to Vrabel, by the way, with that punt scenario, basically giving Belichick a taste, a taste of his own medicine with the false start delay a game loophole with a wasting clock and pinning the Patriots back. What a, phenom- what a phenomenal job and a phenomenal coaching job and a phenomenal quote unquote mental game chess, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say what just what a job by Mike Vrabel basically out outsmarting and outcoaching and giving his ex-coach a taste of his own medicine with that that was a spectacular job on the part of Mike Vrabel and that and that uh Titans coaching staff cuz it worked for the job take a break discuss the NFC wild card games back right after this Welcome back to him. I tell I can see how is podcast switching gears now to the NFC side of things of wild card weekend the action that occurred on um on Sunday first things first let's start out with really the shocker of the day and the shocker of the well I guess you could say of uh, the, of non- of the uh of not necessarily uh the weekend but surely the soccer of the day was uh well I, yeah I guess you could say soccer of the weekend cuz people expect the Titans to um to uh take care of business against the Patriots and they and people certainly gave them a shot in the uh in the ball game so I guess so I guess you could say that that the uh Saints losing to the Vikings, which is a terrible, 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 terrible loss <coughs> excuse me, on the part of the um Minnesota on the part of the New Orleans Saints who were with who came within an eyelash of getting a first round by had it not been for a pass interference that wasn't called on Hollister on the on the 49ers defender that practically was mugging Hollister last Sunday night, and came within an inch at the end of the game last Saturday, last Sunday night between the Seahawks and the 49ers came oh so close to getting a second round bye or excuse me again the first round bye in a divisional home playoff game and getting the second seed in the NFC playoffs, but they but instead that did not happen. And the uh, and the Packers end up getting it. Who who, in my honest opinion, don't deserve to. Uh, The Saints. I know the Saints had a terrible loss today, but but going off of the regular season, the Saints the Saints, you know, technically in my book, were the second best team in the NFC, not the Packers. Remember the Packers. The Packers had to play one team, one team of note. <clears throat> in the NFC and that was the Forty ers and they got absolutely ambushed by the Forty ers back in November. Ambushed. They didn't play the Saints and they didn't play the Seahawks and I and I'm pretty sure if they would have played both teams, I don't give a crap if they were playing the Saints in Lambeau in the Superdome or on the moon. Uh, they're not they're head to head, they're not losing to the Saints and to be quite honest with you, I don't think uh I don't and, in my honest opinion, I don't think with a healthy Seahawks team, I don't think they were going to, If they played Seahawks in October, they, they weren't going to beat Seattle. That's just that's just a matter of fact. But anyway, that's not a handle there. The point of the matter is that the Saints absolutely spit the bit. And I know they can sit up here and talk pass interference with, with Marcus Williams and Kyle Rudolph at the corner of the end zone. And why have the rule? And I understand all that. And Rudolph did get did get a push, did have a push off. But in fairness to the refs, in fairness, it was equal hand fighting all the way through. And when you have that hand fighting back and forth between receiver and defensive back, ninth, and especially if it's late in the game like that, and playoffs, it's on the line, things like that. Nine times that I mean we saw it. <coughs> Hell, we saw it in the Superdome seven years ago in the in Super Bowl forty-seven with Crabtree and Jimmy Smith, and and Harbaugh had his hat out, had his hat off throwing a temper tantrum on the 49ers sidelines asking for a holding when there was no holding. It was well in this case it was it was you know. It proved in favor of uh, Harbaugh because Jimmy Smith was one that ended up on the ground. Crabtree had the last push off, and there was hand fighting all the way through. So when there's hand fighting all the way through, practically as soon as they make initial contact after the snap, then un- unless it's something egregious, where like where where Rudolph literally pushed Marcus Williams down to the turf. 30, nine times out of ten, they're never, ever, ever gonna call um pass interference in that situation, especially when it's equal hand fighting all the way through until the ball is literally two feet away from the receivers. They, 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 ne- they're never gonna call that. They, I mean, that's just that's just that's just the way it is. They're never, ever, ever gonna call that. So, the Saints fans have got to get over that. Was it, by the letter of the law, was it passed interference? Yes. You can make the argument. But it was equal hand fighting both sides. And to be... <coughs> excuse me. To be quite honest... Excuse me. <coughs> to be quite honest with you... The Saints should have never been in position to To basically be playing overtime against the Minnesota Vikings, the offense came out as flat as a pancake. Flat as a pancake. in the game, especially in the first half, came out as flat as a pancake. Drew Brees had no business under any circumstances throwing that bonehead, asinine interception, double coverage in the middle of the field. Drew, what the hell are you doing here? I mean, ser- I mean seriously, you have a you have an opportunity where you can play Aaron Rodgers. And you are probably one of the most favored three teams to make it to the Super Bowl, and it's and it's late in the game at home against Kirk Cousins, and I got you throwing a, basically a jump ball into double coverage in the middle of the field, Drew. I mean that. I mean for a guy who who last time I spoke ranted on behalf of Drew Brees for him to make the NFL all time QB list, that is a terrible job by Drew Brees, a terrible pathetic job. You cannot in that situation and in, in that circumstance make such a bonehead, careless, clueless, Kirk Cousins quote unquote like interception. You just can't do it. I mean that that was absolutely terrible. But you can't but if you're a Saints fan, you gotta quit finding excuses to blame the refs and torch Goodell and torch the officials and you gotta quit using the refs as as your as your excuse and as your cutout for for you guys losing games that you have no business losing. Drew Brees got <coughs> Drew Brees got out this is the second straight playoff game at home, mind you, Drew Brees is getting played all played out outplayed, excuse me, by an inferior quarterback. He got outplayed by golf in a championship game and then today he got absolutely embarrassed and outplayed in his own building by Kirk Cousins, who can't who up who prior prior to today couldn't win a big game if his life depended on it. Couldn't win a big game. Couldn't. Yet to win a playoff game for the Redskins, yet to win one for the Vikings prior heading into today's game. And Drew Brees and the defense basically just let Kirk Cousins just walk into the Superdome and turn into Fran Tarkington reincarnated. And absolutely tore up the Saints' defense in in the overtime. Throw of his life and what a fabulous job of Aikman. Because that was not the touchdown the play after or two plays after. The throw of Kirk Cousins' career thus far was that long completion of Thielen that got him inside the five-yard line in the overtime. Because we've been asking for Kirk Cousins since he's been in the league. When it's big games, whether it be prime time or playoffs, he has to make those 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 game-defining throws late in games to put his team in in the best position to win. And today he came through, and today, for once in his life, he came through and he did it. So all the props in the world to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings because they played better than the. Than <coughs> <coughs> forgive me, my throat has just been as dry, as, <coughs> as dry as a desert the last uh, couple of days. So forgive me for the coughing and the and the uh, long pauses, but this but the Vikings played better. Than the Saints did they played better and they deserved to win the ball game the Saints defa- the Saints defense was not ready was not ready to go they they thought it was they thought they essentially thought it was a given game the fact that they were playing cousins and cousins heading into today had yet to win a playoff game and had really yet to prove his mo- had has was had yet to prove in his worth as a was one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. So they kind of, at least in my opinion, kind of looked over the Vikings and looked over and underestimated Cousins. And Cousins came up in there and straight up absolutely absolutely played his socks off and ended up leading the uh, Vikings to victory. And... That's the second time now. Second straight second straight playoff game and second straight home playoff game where Drew Brees, who was a first-bought Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl-winning quarterback, mind you, and let an inferior quarterback who is in a patch on Drew Brees' ass as far as a quality quarterback is concerned, basically waltz up into his building in the playoffs and, <coughs> and outdo him. So, that is just a horrendous, horrendous loss on the part of Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. A terrible, you cannot, you cannot be a 13-win team. Third seed, who really deserves to be one of the top two seeds in the NFC and allow Kirk Cousins to march in there and essentially look like Fran Tarkington and just saw up your defense, especially in, in the overtime. And that, I mean, that, that, and don't, give me doubt, don't get me wrong, Dalvin Cook played a huge part with 28 carries, 94 rushing yards, and two touchdowns, but Kirk Cousins made the throws that needed to be made in that game. If you're a Saints fan, you gotta be a little bit more objective and be a little bit more truthful with yourself and throw the... Pass interference and the ref ball out the window and be up front and honest and and just look at yourself and look at your fellow Saints fans and say, Drew Brees compared to Cousins played like crap in this game. We were we were we were totally outplayed by the, by the uh, by the Vikings. And that's just the story of the game. That's just the story of it. Moving on to the second game of the day between um, the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles who Eagles heading into this game were running a nice, (coughs) nice winning streak while Seattle had to quickly bounce back from uh last week's heartbreaking loss at home to the 49ers missing out on a chance of they hosting themselves hosting the Vikings rather than the Saints and them winning the division and having the 49ers be the ones in Philadelphia instead of themselves but but um but the Saints but the excuse me but the Seahawks what a job what a job by russell wilson and the seattle seahawks who you know they ne- they never do it pretty they never went they never win convincingly and they never win pretty pretty <coughs> and their wins aren't filled <coughs> filled to the brim with uh with style points but I tell you, give it to Ru- give Russell Wilson and B. Carroll all the credit in the world. They t- they see their opponent, they properly prepare themselves, and they go out there and they play their absolute heart out, and they give a hundred and ten percent. And they just go out there, they tough it out, they they show guts and they got the hoods, but they just go out there and they take care of business. Russell Wilson. 18 for 30 with 325 passing yards and a touchdown pass. I mean, he just played exceptionally well. And DK Metcalf, the wide receiver, what a (coughs) excuse me, what a game he had. Seven receptions, 100, 160 receiving yards and a touchdown catch. He is the he is the most that is the most receiving yards by a rookie in his playoff debut since Jeremy Macklin 10 years ago, ironically enough when he was a member of the Philadelphia Eagles when he had 146 receiving yards and who beat out Keith Jackson by uh four yards who had 142 receiving yards as a rookie in 1988, all occurring all three in the wild card round. With Metcalf being the new leader with 160 following uh, today's performance at Philadelphia. But what a... Marshall Lynch wasn't a big factor. Six carries, seven rushing yards. Had a touchdown in the game, so it still was out there proving that beast mode is still liable deep inside uh, the opponent's red zone when they need it on those second-and-goal, third-and-goal situations. Inside, you know, inside the five-yard line. He's still money in those situations. Even, even, even uh, though the Seahawks. <coughs> Excuse me, he got them off the street. But, they did a phenomenal job. Did a phenomenal job just outplaying the Philadelphia Eagles. Who had a great, who had a great season. Have nothing to be ashamed of. They were injured. They were injured to bits all season long and had to rely on the guy that I, that stayed healthy up until today when Carson Wentz left in the first quarter with a concussion and did not return. But the Eagles fans have nothing to be ashamed of. Josh McCown, tall order, 40-year in his early 40s, first ever playoff game. He's playing in as a tall order to go up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, who were the better, <coughs> who were the better team And heading, heading into today's game. They were 11-5, Eagles 9-7. But Eagle fans have nothing to be ashamed of, and the Eagle players have nothing to be ashamed of because who expected them to make it into the situation to begin with? And it was a tall order to beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks when you're down, all the players you had heading into the game. Zach Ertz playing with a bad with bad ribs and Bruce Kidneys, and then he loses Carson Wentz. It was a tall order, but give all the credit in the world to the Seattle Seahawks as they go on next week. The way to play the Green Bay Packers. Take a break, see if I can get my voice together for the rest of the show. got two more segments left. Hopefully, I can make it. Take a break, talk. Discuss uh, the death, the three deaths in sports that occurred over the last week, in all three of the major sports: in basketball, baseball, and football. Back right after this. Back to a metallic, TIS podcast. Switching gears now to a little bit of, uh, some news. Gotta get on the board here in the world of sports that occurred <clears throat> since the last time we chatted. Um, there's been a few notable deaths in the, um, in the sports world last week. Um, let's first start with, um, with the football, with, um... Since former Cincinnati Bengals head coach and former Cincinnati quarter Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, um, who played for the Bengals from nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy, uh, and was a coach for the Bengals from nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety one that led them to the nineteen eighty eight AFC Championship and an and an appearance in Super Bowl twenty three, and that would be uh, had by the person and the man by the name of Sam White, who passed away on the second at age seventy-four, um, with, <coughs> excuse me, with um me- melanoma, um, j- he would have been, um, he would have turned seventy-five years old today, here on January the fifth at the t- at the time I'm recording this episode, he would have been seventy five years old had he made it uh seventy two works yeah, seventy two more hours here with us on this earth, but it was um it wasn't uh to happen. He was um he uh went to Furman, went undrafted in nineteen sixty eight Got draft, uh, signed with the Bengals in 68 and played with them for three seasons. Got cut, played for the Redskins for 1971 and 1973. Played for the Lions in 74, Cardinals in 76. Was, was an assistant coach for the University of South Carolina in 1967. Was uh, Bill Walsh's assistant in 79, 80, 81, and 82. Was a head coach at University of uh, Indiana in 83. Paul Brown called him up, hired him to coach the Bengals in 84. Was fired by Mike Brown in 91. You can go figure with that one. <coughs> was a head coach for the Buccaneers from 1992 to 1995. That was his last ever NFL head coaching job. And then make it back to the pros until two thousand four two thousand five as a quarterback coach for the bills, and he spent his time as a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for uh Pickens high school in uh Pickens, South Carolina as a player he was uh had a completion percentage at fifty two percent twelve touchdowns nine receptions in his career for a thousand seven hundred and forty eight passing yards and a QBR of seventy nine point six. The head coach three and two in the playoffs, eighty seven, a hundred and nine in his career lifetime, eighty-four and a hundred and seven as a uh as a, a head coach told you that um <coughs> excuse me, that he um Led the Bengals to an appearance in uh, 1988 and um, he's very famous for this uh, proclamation he told the Cincinnati crowd who was throwing snowballs on the field um, when they played the uh, played the uh, Seattle Seahawks who were at that time part of the NFC or excuse me part of the AFC. And he had this to say to the Cincinnati crowd who were throwing snowballs to the point where the referee had to come over to Sam White and stop play. This is what he said over the PA. Lesson up. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything over this field, point them out, get them out of here? You don't let it, Cleveland! You it And that was... That was Sam White. You don't live in Cleveland, you you live in Cincinnati. And he said that on December, this is December 10th, 1989, 30 years ago. So, rest in peace to Sam White. That's item number one. <coughs> Excuse me. Item number two was uh, the great Don Larson, who passed away. At age 90 on New Year's Day. He of course is. Uh, known for throwing the 6th. The, at the time the 6th perfect game. And then will be history. And doing so in game 5 of the 56 World Series. Against the. Against the. Uh, against the New York. Yeah, at the time the New York Giants. uh Who. Who was their last season in New York. <coughs> they moved to San Francisco in 57. It Was their last season <coughs> Excuse me. in New York. Um and they got um no hit in Don Larson's perfect game in the in game 5 of, 60, of the 56. And it's, and to this day it's the only Perfect game slash no hitter in World Series history. Uh, he did. He is not in the Hall of Fame, but two-time World Series champion, champion of fifty-six and fifty-eight, and got the World Series MVP in nineteen uh, fifty-six. And got and started out as a uh, Baltimore Oriole when the St. Louis Browns at the time moved to Baltimore. He got drafted. By him in nineteen fifty three, and was part of that inaugural Orioles team in nineteen fifty four, and in that perfect game, let me just read you his stat line. The Yankees won the game two nothing, of course, and um, let me read you his stat line. <clears throat> if I can find it he uh, let me see let me see let me see well why I find it he um definitely and there's only been one other occasion <coughs> there's only been one other occasion other than um in po in postseason play, there's only been one other occasion where a player has thrown a no hitter in the playoffs, and that was Roy Holiday in two thousand ten in the NLCS, I believe, when he pitched a, a no hitter. But that's the only that's only the second time in the most recent time in the history of the sport where there had there where there was a uh, no hitter during a uh, in a postseason game Don Larson complete game of course nine innings no of course no walks no hits no runs complete game seven strike seven strikeouts in the game just read you this uh... <coughs> um Yankees combined for five hits Two runs of course they won the game two to nothing. <coughs> Mickey Mantle hit a home run in the fourth inning. Uh that's the only home run for the Yankees in the in the game. And the time of the ball game was two hours and six minutes. Which is a mere aberration in postseason playing baseball these days. A mere aberration. Last death to get to, take a break, then I'll come back and discuss Cowboys and I'll be wrapping up. Uh, David Stern, longtime NBA commissioner for 30 years, 1984 to 2014, uh, passed away also on New Year's Day. He died from a brain hemorrhage because he, which he suffered on December the 12th, and had to go brain sur- under undergo emergency brain surgery, and ended up dying in Manhattan on New Year's Day. He was 77 years old. Excuse me. Take a break, and I will discuss Jason Garrett being fired. Gone out of there. In Dallas, Texas. Right after the break. Back after this. Welcome back to MSL Like a TIS Podcast. Last segment. Then we'll get on out of here for the week. Next week's episode, I'll, of course, break down and preview every single one of the, uh, of the, uh, divisional playoff games. Uh, between, of course, Baltimore and Houston. Um... Kansas or excuse me, Kansas City and Houston, Baltimore and Tennessee, Green Bay and Seattle, and San Francisco and Minnesota, and of course I'll preview the national championship game, which is to be played a week from Monday night. So, last order of business, Jason Garrett. Finally, mercifully, if you're a cowboy fan. Or someone who can't stand Jason Garrett, he is gone. Finally, at least at last, he's gone. Was there way, 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 way too long? You can make the argument that uh, you know that he isn't necessarily the problem. Jerry Jones is is more of the bigger problem in the Cowboy organization, but also keep. But but you can say that. But at the same time, Jason Garrett does not make that team better. He does not put them the best chance to win when they go out there and play these key, crucial games, whether it be the Patriots before Thanksgiving <coughs> against the Bills on Thanksgiving or <coughs> in that must-win game against the Eagles in Week 16. He can't get it done and he can't coach his way out of the paper bag if basically if his, if his job security depended on it. And he proved it once once more this season and then this time it ended up costing him his job. So I have no sympathy for Jason Garrett, He's been there way, 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 way too long and he's been a subject of being Jerry Jones's, you know, adopted son. And <coughs> you you hear the tune, you gotta pay the piper. And the chickens have come home to roost and Jason Garrett is no longer going to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys as well. He shouldn't, because he holds back that team from being a potent, from being an NFC championship contender, and he holds them back because he just he's incompetent. He just can't coach. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what you want me to say. He just can't coach. And if there's any team out there that's dumb enough to interview him, not even hire him, but to give him an interview, is absurd and is completely acidine. I wouldn't interview Jason Garrett if he was the last coach in America. one touch him. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't touch him. So, but, if you, but if you are one of those out there that's dumb enough to uh, take that chance, proceed with caution is all I have to say. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of I'm Telling Like a TIS podcast. The first one of the new year, first one of the decade. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow yours truly on Twitter at the Jay Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at, at I'm Tell underscore it T-I-S. I'm your boy Jai Shields. Have a good, safe, blessed week everybody. Talk to y'all next week. God bless you all. Take care.